Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm all about uh, big stars today doing press really early the morning after playing a show. Yeah, they're just like us. They're just like us. Stars, just like us, <laughs> getting up for work. Everyday folk. I was at the Albert Hammond Jr. show the night before I recorded this podcast, and uh, it was a good time. Where did he play? Brooklyn Steel. Okay. That venue is really doing things. Yeah. They, I, I think they get a whole crowd of artists coming through New York who want to play that sort of place but don't want to play Terminal 5. Exactly, yeah. I don't blame them. They just do like maybe two shows there back to back instead of the one Terminal Five show. Yeah. Um, so this is Albert's second album. No, second he has solo? a he has a lot of stuff. He's been releasing solo material since '06. Oh wow! See, I just did not even realize, and I still I need to listen. I need to really sit down and listen to his stuff. This is the best solo thing he's done. So is it's, this a good place to start? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's a ten song album. Really okay. catchy. It's groovy. I love it. I love a good groove. So this conversation, this was uh, 10.30 a.m. or maybe it was 10 a.m. The memory's foggy, but right after him playing a show at Brooklyn Steel, came by the Billboard office, and I respect that. And I told him <laughs> that. Actually, it, and I didn't know this, it was actually the biggest solo show he'd ever played. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did he say he was nervous or did he, I mean, it probably makes no difference to him. I don't think he was nervous, but he just seemed very gratified by it. Yeah. Did he talk about Julian at all? No, we didn't talk about Julian. I wonder if we he's didn't sick talk of about talking the about voids. Julian. <laughs> I'm curious to know what he thinks about them, though. <laughs> I mean, when I brought up Meet Me in the Bathroom, because uh-huh. I'm reading it right now and I was like super psyched to talk about it, his response was like, I don't want to make noise in this podcast. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I need to start that book. I have it sitting next to my bed. I I started it, and it was really good, and then I just got distracted. Yeah. And now I'm back at it. I'm like over a third in. Okay, cool. It's a big book, but because it's so dialogue-driven, it's a quick read. Okay, that's good to know. I feel like my whole collection of books are just big books about like some history of music and then when I get home at the end of the day, after reading about like the current state of music, it could be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I find myself going to teen fiction, <laughs> <laughs> reading reading like some YA, and the Spotify IPO just pops up, and you're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly it. 
Uh, so yeah, you should uh, you should check out the Albert Hammond Jr. album. I yeah, think really I need like to do it. that today. What have you What have you been listening to lately? I keep returning to the Soccer Mommy album. That is one that's really lingered long after its release. Um, I talked to Snail Mail recently. And that was cool. And the Tom Mish album. I don't think. I think it comes out tomorrow. Maybe? Who is this? Tom Mish. I'm not even familiar. Who he is a London jazz man who fuses a little bit of funk and hip-hop in his music the album is very very good he's actually playing brooklyn steel in may there you go this podcast Full sponsored circle. by bowery presents <laughs> no we're just we're just kidding <laughs> Lindsay, shout out uh, any projects you're working on writing you got coming up let's see um i just did something on record store day i interviewed run the jewels who are the ambassadors this year so that's very exciting and then what else am I working on? I don't know. I'm going to see Lord tonight. Hell yeah. <laughs> Very excited about oh, that. Oh, the Barclays show. Yeah, that'll so be that'll awesome. be good. And they're, yeah, we're in the Jewels opening. Exactly. And Mitski. Yeah, she goes on at like 6.30. I'm not <laughs> going to make it. <laughs> it, it. Oh, man, I would love to see Mitski play the Barclays, Barclays Center. Right? I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to like watch her Twitter right right after the show and yeah. see what takes she has about playing an arena show. <sighs> I know. I'm Here very curious to see about the crowd, but <laughs> should be good. Lindsay Havens, writer-editor with Billboard. Thanks so much yes. for stopping by. Thanks for having me. And I will leave you guys a little bit of Albert Hammond Jr. This is uh, probably my favorite hook off of a very hooky new album. It's called Francis Trouble. Playing us into my talk with Albert. This is D versus L. So how do you think the show went last night? Uh, I mean, I had a lot of fun. It was a a packed room. Um, I don't know. There's so many emotions happening all at once that you almost need to... It wasn't until this morning that it kind of sank in a little more, you know? I didn't get to say a lot of things I wanted to say about um, about it, about how special it was to actually... Uh, get there, you know. Are these special emotions New York centric? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's a mixture of I would have felt that way in New York, but also the fact that it was the uh, the biggest show I'd played to date. So it was kind of like, you know, it's like the the ball goes rolling and it just gets you get. You go to places you haven't been, you get more mm-hmm. people than you had before, and then you go back home and it's bigger. It's just a nice uh, it's just a nice feeling. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't know that. That was the biggest show you've played, like, solo? Yeah. Wow, all right. Yeah. I'm not oh, counting yeah. festivals. Yeah, you know what I mean? wow. Obviously, because festivals are for just me, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's something to celebrate. And plus, yeah. a, a crowd at a club show on your tour is always going to be better than a festival crowd. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Well, you can also do different, a different set list, um, which I think what makes it fun in a festival, you're just trying to like, you know, be the part of the roller coaster that's going down where you're just yelling for like 30 minutes mm-hmm. and a show can have a little more ups and downs. Yeah. 
For those listening, we're talking about Brooklyn Steel. Yeah. Last night, kind of a new venue. So um, that that also yeah. must play into like because you've played so many venues in New York over the years. This one just popped up last year, two years ago. Yeah, that that part was really exciting when we were looking at uh, at where to play. Um, really, really cool venue. I wish, uh, yeah, no, really, really, really cool venue. Yeah. Francis Trouble. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> it's a good, yeah, I'm, I'm really feeling the album. It's a really, it's a good chorus album. Yeah, yeah. That's how I, I feel Just like. Songs, you know, good songs. S- slinging some good choruses last night. Yeah, well, I mean, I felt like, uh, I felt like I wanted to make that kind of record. Yeah. Screamer is my favorite though, and you didn't play Screamer. I know it's so weird. We play eight out of the ten songs mm-hmm. on the on the album, and the two we don't play is Stop and Go and Screamer, and they've both been called for, called out for. And it's not like any reason. It's just, you know, I thought Screamer would be the first song we would do. It just happened that we were learning stuff and tour started, and we just didn't add it into the early opening sets. And so it's just a little behind, but mm-hmm. I imagine on like the next tour, it'll come, it'll come out. Yeah, I know it's one of my favorites. That song is such a tight song, though. It's one of the my whole favorites, too. <laughs> yeah, I know it's fun to do that. Well, that's, <laughs> there you go with choruses. You see, that's like, it's like there's a, some call and response stuff where it's fun for the crowd because they know it. And then, like, mm-hmm. it's like in Dark versus Light that I don't even want to say. I see people, like, singing along yeah. to it because they get to be a part of the, of the show. Yeah. Like I'm picking up, like it's it must feel really just gratifying for you, like after so many tours with the Strokes and after like putting in all this time with like your solo work too, like getting to this point where you're getting like such packing rooms like this with just Albert Hammond Jr. music. Yeah, I mean, I, I what's funny is when I finished making this record and and then I was lucky enough to find Red Bull and the combination. Red Bull Records and the combination was just so felt so so good. It felt like I'd found like a like a home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's which is a rare thing in the business side of, of mm. music to feel that way. Um, and um, yeah, I just uh, you know I was opening up for the Killers and Arenas, and I just I was like, oh, I felt like I belonged in that. So it was just like. My goal was to go there. This was recent, right? When you were yeah, yeah, recent. Yeah. This was February, you know. And Franz Ferdinand too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some old friends, those two bands. Um, yeah. I mean, I became. Uh, I mean, I. I don't think I ever really. I met the Killers in passing. Uh, became friendly with, with Ronnie before this tour, um, and friends. I. I you know I saw them a, a long time ago in England and we were mm-hmm. backstage and I kind of jammed with them and I was friends with uh, the guitar player that that left Nick um, friendly, uh, but yeah I mean it was touring with them was amazing they were so nice mm-hmm. it was so much fun to to open for them 
Yeah. I'm in the middle of reading Meet Me in the Bathroom right now, so I'm kind of piecing together like a lot of these like friendships that go way back, you know? I mean, I don't know I don't know how how much uh well, I don't want to make noise in this podcast, but I want two of these guys. I don't know how much um that that's going to give because it's really hard to it's like when you read Please Kill Me, you know? It's you're getting small moments from people over 10 years and so the the thing you piece together is is um uh i don't know it's not it's romanticized life sure you know it's just like a movie mm. you know they have to everything you do you have to exaggerate a little bit to make it f- feel Right, because life is has a lot more slower up ups and downs, or even if they're fast, it's they never come across in a book or a film the way it actually is. Yeah, the, bo- the the boring parts aren't in there. It's the really good parts and the really maybe sad parts. But well, it's I don't the extre- know. I don't know if it's boring. It's just I feel like the what you would call the boring parts are really uh, really beautiful parts of life. <laughs> Yeah, you know <laughs> they're relaxing. <laughs> but yeah, before we get to, I, I, I could talk about that book for because I'm, I'm really, really feeling it. But before we, before we go down that rabbit hole, t- talking about like your new album and like the yeah. mindset you're at right now, like, yeah, tell me about because you, you must be kind of be discovering new things about music and starting out with like a band that maybe you missed with the Strokes because it was so long ago or because things happened so fast or just because you were so young like what's new now um i i think your perception changes and that creates uh and if you allow it and you accept that that change you um rediscover things all the time mm-hmm. um a big change happened in my early 30s when i I had a little wane in my feelings towards music, and then I fell in love with misfits and wire and wipers, and I got this resurgence and excitement that I hadn't felt in a long time. And um, I feel like most people find those bands in their teenage years, but I found them, I guess, my teenage years of my 30s. And uh, I feel like it's what helped bring me to where I am now in the sense that... um, of the energy I have now, I feel like I make more, more visceral music like that now than I did when I started. Sure, um, which is a good arc that I, I like. I never, uh, I never thought it would be like that. Only through looking back. But um, I don't know. I feel like as you, you know, you, you, so you like stuff. You, you change. You forget why you started something. All this stuff happens. You build. You know, success gives whatever insecurities you have more power. Mm. (laughs) And you build all the stuff around you. And then, you know, you start to realize that um, that it's, you know, you're living right now. And it's not like uh, something that's going to happen later. And you just, I started to try to find ways to get out of myself and put myself in not uncomfortable positions just out of 
just different spots to see like be okay with with like having big mistakes you know what i mean i feel like that creates such good new things because comfort and familiarity are just a terrible place to to live in did some big mistakes wind up happening well no i just feel like you, to create you have to be you have to be able to poke fun at yourself mm-hmm. and be able to allow yourself to do something that's dumb or was bad or was cheesy to then get to where you want to get to i just mean like allowing that process uh well i mean if you want to look at mistakes the whole to get the arc to get to here i feel like i've had to make many mistakes and not be who i wanted to be in front of people and all my solo records up till here i feel like i had gaps that i knew i was missing but had to accept to move forward i mean that was that was hard yeah you know, makes you want to stop sometimes. <laughs> uh-huh. So take me through your mindset when you made your first solo record. This was yours to keep, yeah. 2006. We, you sort of hinted at the stylistic, influential changes in your music, but take me back to your mindset then. Like, what made you want to make your own album? What was going on in your head back I, then? I didn't. I just, I had demos, and I've had demos since I was 16, and I just felt like if I didn't finish something i would never get better i would never move on um and so i was just like i just want to go record this one song it was cartoon music for superheroes and i want to like have it be like here it's done listen to it i'm not gonna remix it or it's not like you know it's very easy to be like well it's not totally done and like you're constantly changing so that started and it just kept on growing and we had fun and went from like little rooms to bigger rooms to studios and i didn't really even think anything of it more than the exercise of 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 completing it um and yeah that was that was what ended up that and then i ended up touring it i don't know how i got convinced to do that but i ended up doing like 128 shows in nine months on that on that record um which was fun and then the second record was just because I hated the fact that people, when they say, I don't like the word singer-songwriter, I don't like acoustic guitar, it was just like the opposite of what I've ever wanted to be perceived at. And so my second record was just like, I don't know, it was just like thick in in just hating that, you know? And there's some really cool songs on that, but it was just, the, the first record was the innocence of, drug abuse and the second one was like the darkness of it so i feel like some some of the quality went away because of that there's still great songs there but there's just as a whole um and then the ep was definitely exciting for me i just did it gus and i just did it the two of us and it was like a new beginning i felt like i had new songs and i hadn't written or completed stuff for a while and then Momentary Masters was a result of that touring that and this band that had formed. And then this record was a result of finally being able to say, that's why I keep on saying the arc, finally being able to say that I understand where where I am. Um, I was I'm perceived in, in a rock history story through the media as a guitar player in a, in a band. And through that history, there's it's kind of like a typecast that you get given. 
you know, you don't know this doing this. Um, and when I started, I was just, I loved writing, I loved singing, I loved playing guitar. Um, and then I realized that, that I wanted to sing and, 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 um, be able to say that, yeah, I, I think I'm a great frontman. I think I'm a great entertainer. I feel like I've got great songs. Is be able to say that and really feel it, you know? And so it wasn't until here that I felt like my goal on this record was to change that narrative and to be like, your perception of me is incorrect. Mm. <laughs> you know? That I am Albert Hammond Jr. I'm not Albert Hammond Jr. of the Strokes. Yeah, I mean that's one part of my life, but it's funny <laughs> that it happens because I'm a junior already. That's like mm-hmm. you know, trying to find your own identity, <laughs> and you get into a band and like, oh, you're this, you know. And even the way early press saw me it was so funny because I was like, I grew up with bands. You'd want to be like more sarcastic and funny in interviews, and everyone was always so serious. And so I don't know. It was just. I don't even know how to how to how to put it, or maybe I just did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny mentioning the junior. It makes me think. From reading press you've done lately and people who've interviewed you, I feel like no one really asks about your dad anymore. Well, I mean, uh, no, they do. I but I just huh. don't know. It, you know, like, yeah. I wouldn't know what to, what to say. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, no, I'm gu- I'm guessing like w- when you guys were first starting out, there were probably like a lot of questions about that because people knew Albert Hammond from like his hit song. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I definitely. I've always thought I wish I could go back and change my name, <laughs> so no one would know. Um. Yeah, sure. There was there was questions. I, I don't know. It's like. When I fell in love with music, it was a very personal thing and had nothing to do with my father. And I always carved mm. out this special moment the same way if you know you fall in love with someone in your teenage years, you don't think you think it's uniquely yours. Mm-hmm. You don't think other people do it. You don't think, oh, that's not my parents. Yeah, but, you know, it's a uniquely your thing. And so people ask me about that, I almost freeze because I don't know what to say because. I just hadn't, I didn't feel any connection. And even when early on, I just, I felt like I was different. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I get, I get confused. I got to find a better way to answer it, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> How's he doing these days? Uh, he's on tour in, in Europe. He seems to be doing uh really well oh cool yeah yeah hey because i remember like when i was first getting into the strokes is like like my, my dad's like a huge like 60s 70s rock fan like i knew songs like free electric bands and it oh, never so rains cool. in california from like him always playing like these like cds in the house when i was growing up and when i first got into the strokes like he was totally like not following current music at all but i was like oh albert hammond's son is in the band he's like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> oh i'll give it a listen then <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
yeah, it was just cool. Yeah, dads are cool. <laughs> yeah, dads are cool. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So we talked about kind of like your big picture mindset with yeah. the new album. Let's talk about like songwriting a little bit. Okay. What went into this? Because like I was saying, I really feel like the, it's a chorus album, but I don't know. However you take that and maybe talk about like your guitar technique and how that's evolved too in writing these choruses. Sure. Um, I mean, so I feel like touring and recording life kind of go hand in hand. They feed off each other. So you come back from touring and you've, you feel like you've been on the road and you kind of can feel what you were missing. Mm-hmm. And there was a certain visceral aspect that I wanted something that would bring people together move people I just like the idea of like the first impact just being like an an explosion and so I had these thoughts and then the early demos you know I could just tell they were having them because they'd be like these little parts and all of a sudden we'd have this really exciting song um and I think the choruses became strong because we just nothing would stay that wasn't better than the last thing and we were constantly like even if something was exciting if something came out of it that was more exciting it just went away Mm -hmm. right away um and i think that's what uh kept it kept it fresh and moving and we didn't like we worked on it hard but we didn't stay on it where we beat it to death um if we had to beat it to death, it was something better had to come out of it. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's a, sometimes too you can take music and take the some of the fun out of it. But and also wanted to keep it a little more live. This record a little a little more f- free, and I think you can feel that in how the drums and guitars interact with each other and the vocals. Um, my guitar technique. I mean, the only thing really I can say is I learned parts of an early Metallica solo, Hotel California, and uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And I've literally used little riffs from all that stuff. I mean, Screamer, some of the bends and solos is Hotel California. Okay. I rewrote the GFC solo based on this Metallica riff and you know you just you start to see that's the only thing that happens maybe I've become a little more 
discipline in learning uh, new things or in or in practicing, but I don't really know. Because, like, for instance, Rocky, Rocky's Late Night, that guitar riff, or even Far Away Truths, the, the riff. We were just sitting there, Far Away Truths was a different song. <laughs> it was like a... I had a title on this different song, and uh, then Gus like went to go get a sandwich or something, and then I was just like sitting with the guitar, and I just started playing that riff for some reason, or that that rhythm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, is that cool?" He's like, "Yeah." And then we just kind of like keep going with it, and then I hear it now, and I was like, "Did I write that?" <laughs> you know, it's. I don't know. I think it just comes from it's a consistency of just playing and just uh you know your ear picks up on stuff you sure. like. Let's let's talk about like kind of the uh, the title and the concepts around the album too. Sure. So this was inspired by a discovery you found out about brother. Well, <clears throat> sorry, I keep on doing that right into the mic. Don't hate me. <laughs> um, yes and no. It's not. Nothing is ever just one thing. It's, it's a series of collected universal gifts mm-hmm. <laughs> that then create something. Um, you know, imagine it like creating is like one grain of sand doesn't show you the beach. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, uh, but it is the beach. So, you know, I wanted to make this kind of record. I was doing it. There's that work into that. And then finding out, I already knew about my stillborn twin, but finding out just in the information that just seemed like we might have collided or just I don't know there's when you when you get told stuff you you hadn't known or part of a story from an aunt that's telling it like she told you a thousand times but you'd never heard it your imagination can go, can go crazy with it you know you've shared such an intimate space there was this chance it just reminded me then and I was already working with the idea of just in life in general, not alter ego, but just getting out of myself to 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 change myself, and so it just added to that, and just seemed like, well, what are the odds that I got told this now when I was already doing this? Like maybe this is like the way I should go, and then you just start reliving parts of your youth, imagining brother, but really just seeing yourself at certain times and so it brought out more true parts of me if that makes sense like peaks that I remember of like when you're like when you're younger there's certain moments where you're where you're truly yourself at that time and so just like you can never really get it because there's a memory but just to relive it in those thoughts I don't know it's just a way to help 
creativity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Telling a story. Hey, Cameron. <laughs> and um, yeah, it just, I felt like, I think I was saying this earlier, with that whatever walls you build from your insecurities as you get older and whatever, like, you know, you get older and it's very easy. That's, I feel like how you get jaded is you start to see things a certain way and then you just immediately say, that's like that, mm-hmm. that's like that. And then you don't allow even, it's very important to like, you can not like something and disagree, but you're, if you're able to take 5% that you like, then take that and throw away the rest. Mm-hmm. You don't need to like the whole thing <laughs> to have it change your move you. So I don't know, just all these, all these aspects and just that aspect just cemented the deal. I've been telling people it's like the stitching in a jacket. You know, you don't notice it. No one thinks about it, but it's there and it's what's shaping it. Mm-hmm. And the name Francis Trouble, where does that come from? Oh, I don't know. I've always been looking for a name. Okay. I've always wanted to change my name. Um, Trouble came uh, I was singing the song for my dog because she was walking on the street and it just seemed like she owned the street and then it became like Trouble Productions and I was like what I would be producing under and uh, but I wanted like a name for the person I just liked Francis it just Mm -hmm. um, he seemed uh Slightly mischievous, but I don't know. I just like the name and to what what it made me feel, and so just I've just had Francis Trouble for a while, and it just made sense on this mm-hmm. record. That's what I mean. Like you store, you just always storing little things, and then things come together. And you start thinking about them and they go away and they come back like a tide. And then eventually you're like, oh, this, all of this I have fits and becomes like a bigger thing than, than what it is by itself. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I, it's never like sitting down like, you know, I'm Francis Trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's going to be like this and like this. I feel like you, if it was the problem, if it was like that, it would, it wouldn't allow change what's so nice about the constant discovery is it allows it to move and I think sometimes to commit to new things it's too much to just say I'm gonna do that mm-hmm. you know it's a good name yeah I mean I really like it <laughs> <laughs> looks good on the album cover too words so we're getting a little short on time here but uh, want to talk about meet me in the bathroom a little bit Sure, if you want to. <laughs> I mean, I'm really, really, I'm about a third of the way into the book. I'm really enjoying it. Um, yeah, like, you must have done, s- spent so much time doing interviews for this. Like, did you get a chance to read it, and, like, what did you come away with it? Like, how do you think you came off? Um, yeah, I sat with Lizzie for many hours. I didn't read read it. I kind of got parts through my wife and my mom uh, reading it. Um yeah, I mean, I I only know how when I was telling the story and talking to to Liz, it was just Lizzie. It was it was just fun 
memories, funny stories. Um, you know, I think it's like, it's something that should be taken like that. I feel like it gets taken so seriously. I don't know if it's like modern culture, but it's just like, as soon as got like some young press girl from England writing a review about it and what she wrote about another review was just so weird to me. Um, but I don't know. People enjoy enjoy it. That's that's the point of it, I guess, right? Yeah. It was it was cool to read that you first came to New York for uh, like acting school or film school. Film school, yeah. Because because you've been doing some acting recently. So I was like, oh, there's yeah. some connections there. Well, I mean, I always wanted to do it. I think I was just afraid to to do it. To mm-hmm. be honest, I was just chicken shit. <laughs> so do do you have like more projects like that coming in the future? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I auditioned for stuff, and I was in a movie, and I hope to to do that. I, I've I write and I hope to film something one day in my life. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'd like to score a movie. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love film. Film and music came to me at a young age and changed my life. Both of them as extreme in different ways. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. So, anything else you want to put out there? Wrap it all together. <laughs> you want me to wrap it all together? Yes. Put you on the spot. <laughs> No, it's putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I hope uh, people go check out the record because I feel like they'll enjoy it very much. Francis Trouble, there it is. Yeah. There cool. she goes. Well, thank you so much for coming by again. This was fun. No, yeah, it was awesome. Seems it never rains in Yeah, that's a little bit of It Never Rains in Southern California. The biggest Billboard hit from Albert's dad, Albert Hammond Sr., who we chatted about a little bit. Yeah, I was glad that came up. I, I'm i sure in his many years of doing press, AHJ has been asked about his dad many times. But I don't know, from the, from the writings and interviews that I've read recently doing my research from the interview, I hadn't really seen him popping up. And, you know, like I mentioned, my dad was always playing those hits in the house off his, like, oldies CDs and stuff. And I knew those songs before I knew the stroke. So it was it was cool to, to ask Albert about that just now. But, yeah, thanks so much to him for coming by. That was really fun. I'm a big Strokes fan myself, as you might have picked up on. So... Talking to Albert is, is always is, it's always a little bit of a trip for me. I enjoyed that. So, actually, another person who is from Meet Me in the Bathroom, another New York City rock veteran is going to be my guest on the show next week. So make sure you get that one. Subscribe to the show. Hashtag Alternative Facts, all one word. That's the name of the podcast. We run usually on Thursdays, but I'm going to be popping up different days of the week. Keep you guys on your toes that's going to be the plan coming up. We're going to be all over the place, but usually once a week, sometimes even two a week. I'm hopping on the Paramore Parahoy Cruise tomorrow, and I'm going to be doing a bunch of podcasts on there. So all sorts of good shows coming from you guys. Uh, 
Subscribe to the show. Give us a rating. It's hashtag AlternativeFacts at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll catch you soon. Bye-bye, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.